It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. Thank you so much, Doug Nance. It is great to be back here at the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Step inside the SNL Hall of Fame if you would, but please wipe your feet. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. That's how we play this game. It's all about you, ultimately. You get to listen, you get to vote, you get to enjoy the members as they regale us in the SNL Hall of Fame. So there's that. I hope you're doing well this week. We've got a spectacular episode for you. We are talking about Rachel Dratch, and we're going to be joined by a repeat guest, Will Norman, who always brings the goods, in conversation with Thomas Senna. But before we do any of that, it's time for me to walk down the hall to our friend Matt's Minutia Minute Corner. Hey, Matt. How's it going, buddy? Great, JD. And you? I am superstarific. Talking about Rachel Dratch today, and I think she's funny as hell. Me too. Me too. She is one of those people who I have always felt is underappreciated. Underappreciated. Yeah. All of the heavy lifting that she does. Um, Yeah. So you want to hear some facts about Rachel? Sure do. Okay. Rachel Dratch, uh, four foot eleven and one and a half, born February twenty second, nineteen sixty six. She grew up in Lexington, Massachusetts, attending the National Theater Institute at Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Connecticut. Now she is a Second City alum, and she attended Second City and Improv Olympics with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Many of their sketches are still available on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to see very young Tina, Amy, and Rachel, just Google them. And it's it's actually, it's still, it still holds up. A lot of old Second City sketches done by uh, the the theater t- groups uh, back then did, did not hold up, but this one did. <laughs> or these two. Um, it's because it's pure Rachel, uh, just being Rachel. Now she studied under Del Close and that uh, for improv nerds out there is like improv Jesus. Um, he, he is like one of the creators of the form. Um, right. and addition, additionally, she also, uh, spent time in the groundlings. And so she's done the improv trifecta as well as being a founding member of UCB. Jeez. Not to mention, she was also on the Harvard Lampoon. So she is basically a member of the comedy Illuminati uh, at this yeah. point. So she graduated in 1988 from Dartmouth College and has played cello since high school. So she's a talented musician in her own right. Uh, she has 127 acting roles and was the original Jenna Maroney on 30 Rock before being recast. Right, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, if you watch that original pilot, it's a very different energy. As much as I love Rachel, I can understand why they changed the casting to mix it up a bit. The good thing about that is we have her variety of bonkers secondary characters from the cat wrangler to the weird blue hallucination when the gas is left on um, in the the gas episode. Her first television role was on SNL, but she simultaneously made her film debut on Serious Business that same year. She is also a published author uh, with Girl Walks Into a Bar, which is flipping awesome. And if you get it, I recommend it getting the audiobook because she reads that, oh. uh, which is really, it's on Audible, it, not a plug for Audible, but it's on there and it's awesome. She has produced a one-woman show called My Life as an SNL cast member, which she ran at UCB before uh, her Broadway debut in Wicked um, as Tina, uh, after which she wrote the off-Broadway play Tail Spin. Uh, that's tail exclamation mark, spin exclamation mark, which is why I said okay. it a bit weird there. Now, she's won the Joseph Jefferson Award for an actress in a review for Paradigm Lost uh, in 1998 and for Promise Keepers, Losers Weepers. Uh, in 1999 at Second City Chicago. So from the get-go, she was recognized for her improv chops, um, has done voice work appearing in movies and television shows, including Spider-Man Across the Universe, or excuse me, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as um, Ms. Weber, the guidance counselor, which when you look at the picture, uh, like a still of that character, I'm, of course it's her. It just oh. looks so much like her. Oh, wild. Uh, yeah. So she hosts um, a podcast, Late Night Snack, with Rachel Dratch, uh, and later uh, Woo Woo. Uh, in addition, she had her own sketch co- uh, show on True TV in 2016 called Late Night Snack, which had a framing device of her working in a diner. Now, she's also appeared multiple times on the show Billy on the Street on YouTube, where Basically, Billy Eichner makes her run obstacle courses. <laughs> um, yeah. So, for example, she did the Escape from Scientology trivia obstacle course, the Julia Robstacle course, uh, Julia Roberts themed trivia obstacle course, and the Escape Margot Robbie's Moment course. And they are all as bonkers as you can can guess. They, she and Billy are actually quite close, and she subsequently did a parody of Jay-Z's Empire State of Mind with Billy Eichner called Forest Hills State of Mind. Oh. And it is hilarious, also on YouTube, which I highly recommend. Cool. Well, I think we're locked and loaded here and ready to go downstairs with Thomas and his special guest, Will Norman. Excellent. Can't we? All right. Thomas, take it away. JD, Matt, thank you so much for that. And we are in the midst of season five of the SNL Hall of Fame. This is our second nominee that we're talking about this season. The one, the only, 
Rachel Dratch is our topic today. And to join me to talk about all things Rachel Dratch on SNL, a returning guest here on the uh, SNL Hall of Fame, it's Will Norman. Mr. Will Norman, my guest for Beyonce and for Daryl Hammond. Welcome back to the SNL Hall of Fame, Will. It is great to be back, Thomas. Thanks for having me. I'm just trying to slowly climb towards a five-timers jacket, so thanks for letting me come back, <laughs> at least today. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about Rachel with you today. Um, obviously, we'll get into the details, but uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite cast members, and you know, excited to kind of talk about her career and all her contributions to the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It was a lot of fun going back and re-watching stuff, doing the uh, prep for this. It's always fun. Yeah. Rachel kind of pops off screen. Uh, so, so it's always fun to revisit a lot of what Rachel did on SNL and you were my guest will for Daryl Hammond, who yep. is a newly minted SNL hall of famer. Will, so pat yourself on the back. What do you think? Daryl Hammond hall of famer. We did it. We did it, Thomas. We, yes. uh, I feel like we made a great case for him and Daryl's definitely deserving of it. So happy that he was able and, and the fans, uh, recognized his contributions and got him in. So it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. In my book, probably in your book, we've mentioned top 20 cast member, in my opinion. To me, that's an SNL Hall of Famer. If you're top 20, you're an SNL Hall of Famer in my book. So every people agreed. That's awesome. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yes, absolutely. So we'll see if uh, if Rachel Dratch can get there. I know on the SNN cast member countdown, she was pretty high. I think she was in the top 30 on the Saturday Night Network's cast member countdown. So she's appears to be beloved by a lot of a lot of viewers and a lot of fans myself included yourself included will uh i wanted to ask you about rachel so what were your impressions of rachel dratch when you first saw her it could be on snl or wherever you first saw her yeah i mean i think my introductions to rachel i think were you know obviously during her time during snl i think in my time watching the, the cast that she came into was one of my favorite casts and kind of seeing her grow a little bit and you know, I've always thought of her as just being a very, you know, a great character actor. Like she is so good at finding these nuances and weird characters to bring to life. She's also really good at being a part of an ensemble. You know, she's willing to be in the mix. She doesn't have to necessarily be centered in the sketch, but she always makes the sketch better being a part of it. And then a couple other things that like I've always stuck out to me about Rachel was like, She's very good at self-deprecation, which I think, um, yes. you know, is 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 something I really appreciate. It's one of my favorite types of, of, of humor and sense of humor. So she always brings that to her her comedy styles and her sketches. And then this is kind of an, another, I think, separate. But you know, a lot of times we talk about all the male performers, how well they are at portraying uh, women. And I feel like Rachel is very great as a performer portraying men. You're and so you right. see that in some of the characters that she does so much. And I think that kind of goes under the radar a lot. But um, I've always heard her ability to play different characters and kind of be really weird with it. Um, great line delivery, be in the mix, but also make everything better has always stood out to me. And so um, it's been, it was fun to go back and rewatch her stuff and watching her progression as a cast member too, and get her flowers throughout her time on the, on the cast. But what, what about you? Yeah, no, you're right. That That's such a good point. Uh, one of the things that I did note was how she portrayed uh, like, especially older men <laughs> really well, <laughs> yes. older kind of like kooky Yes, scrolly kind of men really well. She almost inhabited or or you know harnessed like a Dana Carvey kind of spirit in, in <laughs> yeah, an interesting yeah, yeah. way when she when she did those characters. That that's something that stood out to me. And, and then that's an interesting point you brought up about the self deprecation, and that came through. The I automatically think of like these Weekend Update correspondent things that she would do with uh, Amy and Tina, 
Which yep. she, she would be like, I'm on location out here uh, reporting the blizzard or whatever. And then they make her stay out there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, Amy and Tina are drinking like hot tea at the desk. And they're like, oh, this is so good. And then Rachel's out there shivering and freezing. And right, so right. she's able to, yeah, she's able to poke fun out of herself. Um, there's also another one where uh, she and Tracy Morgan had like a little talk show and John Stewart was on and she was almost kind of she was the straight laced one like kind of nervous mm-hmm. talking to John Stewart and Tracy was kind of ribbing her a little bit um, John do you think you're going to remain on cable or might you consider expanding to a wider market <laughs> look at Jack pretending to be all interested in TV markets when she's just trying to get her freak on what you don't care about no daily show you're just trying to be his daily hoe <laughs> So she makes fun of herself. A lot of the uh, the writing on the show made fun of her, but it's in a loving way. Like everybody mm-hmm. obviously loved Rachel, and it's yeah. just sort of like in a in a. It was almost like a big hug when when they would do that with yes. Rachel. She's, she's so likable. That's something that stands out to me and uh, stood out to me at the time. Will she's so likable? Yes, yes, she definitely is, and, and that's where. You know, I think she's she's already likable in her presence on the show and the sketches that she shows up in, and then her willingness to make fun of things, to find the funny. And to your point, never felt like it was a mean spirit. It always felt like it was something that she was like, "If this is funny, I'm going to do it and going to you know put my all into it." And so I've always really liked how, um, like I said, how, like you said, how likable she she has been in the sketches that she's in, and how she's has a warmth to her performance a lot of times, but can be super weird as well. Where you're rooting for, even if she's playing weirdo. Yeah, exactly. And, and when, when, uh, when she joined the cast, I remember when she did, she almost reminded me of like a Sherry O'Terry who was still on the cast and they overlapped for one year. They were on the cast together. It's one of those strange SNL things where it's like, Oh, I forgot Rachel Dratch and Sherry O'Terry were on the cast together. That's certain pairings that happen sometimes. Like you forget, like, I was going through old sketches today. I'm like, I forgot that Vanessa Bear and Melissa Villasenor were on the cast at the same time. That's just kind of a weird one to me. But Sherry and Rachel, uh, Will, that was was one of those weird ones. But Rachel reminded me of Sherry. So I think initially I was wondering, like, you know, they kind of have somebody like this. But it turned out that was Sherry's last season. So I think Rachel was a good successor to Sherry, but also added some different elements. I think she was able to even get a little bit weirder. Uh, in, in in some ways than even Sherry did. Yes, no, I agree. She definitely, I do think she did get weirder than than, than Sherry did for sure. And I think uh, to your point, when you have those new cast members that come in and they're on, there's a deep cast and there's a bench coming in. It's one, it's fun to go back and see someone they're a featured player. You know, they're going to be awesome later. You're like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's fun. Like there's that crossover there. And she did, you know, as, as, you're, as you're mentioning just now, like she definitely did bring a Sherry O'Terry uh, energy and vibe to the show. And I think one thing we'll talk about, sure, you know, over the time here is similar to Sherry, such a great scene partner uh, that uh, Rachel was with a lot of the the cast that she was with, uh, specifically Jimmy Fallon or Will Ferrell. She was a really great scene partner with him and able to, um, you know, find great characters to have lasting impressions on the show while inhabiting that same energy that Sherry brought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Another one I just thought about. Molly Shannon was on the cast with Chris Farley and Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, I, that, I didn't realize that. That's kind of weird. That. I know she yeah. started at the end of season 20, so she overlapped by a few episodes. But technically, Molly Shannon was on the cast with Chris Farley and Adam Sandler. So that, that's another one that's kind of wild to me. That's cool. That <laughs> yeah, cool. So you had mentioned, and we talked about, you know, 
she joined. Sherry O'Terry was there, but also, she, I mean, she joined and established Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, Anna Gasteyer, Chris Kattan, all those people were on the cast already for a few years. Rachel joined in season 25. So this was the fifth season that a lot of those people had been uh, on the cast together. So what do you think might be like the expectations of a new cast member when you're joining a big group of veterans? Where does a new cast member from a viewer standpoint, where do you want them to fall in? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I think when when you see when you have a stat cast that you love and you and you like all the people that are on the cast, you see the new person show up. I think in some ways uh, it's it's helpful for the cast member because there's not pressure on them to immediately be great. You know, you had those years where all of a sudden there's a bunch of new people and it's like, okay, I got to love somebody here. Like someone's Mm got to take the torch. Um, But when you have an established cast, you're kind of wondering one, okay, what role is this person going to fill? You know, we have an absolutely stacked team. We brought in this rookie. What skill set are they bringing to the table? Are they going to be, you know, of the archetypes of SNL? They're going to be the impressionist. Are they going to be someone who's going to be great as a character actor? Are they going to be someone who's going to um, just be a you know, feature player and just kind of be in the mix of things with a straight person to sketches, kind of figuring out what their actual style of comedy is going to be. And then you're also looking at it more specifically, do they inhabit any of the same kinds of personality types that a current cast member does? Is this the next generation's version of you know, a Sherry O'Terry? Is this person going to be like an Adam Sandler? They're going to do songs and stuff on update or they're going to be doing features. You know, you're trying to figure out where they fit in, in the grand scheme of the show. And so I think when I'm watching new cast members, my own personal criteria is I'm just kind of seeing how do you meld with the rest of the cast? Who are you? Who are they pairing you up with? What parts are they giving you as they kind of help help you go along? And then I've said this before, I'm sure in previous podcasts, but I'm always a big, fairly or unfairly, I really judge people's first weekend update appearances uh, because it's one of the first times you get to see that cast member somewhat as themselves, probably doing something they auditioned on the show with um, to see what their style is. So those are kinds of the things you you have that wait and see approach with new cast members. I want to love every new cast member that comes yeah. in. I think most fans don't see them on the bumper and go, I hope this person's terrible. You want the show to be good, right? <laughs> um, so I'm rooting for them. I just want to see where they fit in. So that's kind exactly. of where I view it. But what, what about you? What exactly. are your criteria? What are you looking at? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it's similar. It's almost like a new present in a way that the show is giving us at, yeah. every year. It's just like the possibilities – or endless, like what skill set to this person have? I don't. I, I I tend to look for something that's like skill sets that aren't overlapping, is is a big one. Because if it's yeah. just complete overlapping skill sets, just like okay, well, show's probably not going to use them much because I already have somebody who does this. So it's just like finding how how that person sticks out. Uh, then a good example this year, Chloe Trost joined a, an established cast, and Chloe Trost. We found out it's a really good singer, first of all. Mm-hmm. So they're using her a lot as far as singing goes. Maybe a lot of the stuff that Cecily Strong, maybe we used to do, Chloe Trost is starting to do. So she's kind of finding her niche. She's going to get more other things to do. That's an example of like this person's finding their niche. You bring up a good point about Weekend Update, too. That's, really, that's a lot. The Weekend Update desk, I always harp on this. If the cast member's struggling, they want to do well on the show, they want people to know who they are. Write a good weekend update, Vs. Yeah. Get that on. Yeah. If you're going to get on the show, be on weekend update. It's going to be on every week. Yeah. They don't yeah. they don't cut weekend update. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And those tend to be memorable. And right away, like last season, Michael Longfellow endeared himself because of weekend update in a lot of ways. So did Marcelo Hernandez. 
Those yeah. are two examples of people who just like shine on weekend update. And now we're hoping like when's Longfellow going to be on weekend update? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. His last one, exactly. what weird character, what costume is he going to wear? What is he going to be on as himself and do stand up or what? So I think that's yeah. a good point about the update desk. So she, Rachel Dratch joined in season 25, episode three. She made her mark right away. Like, she played Callista Flockhart in her in her very first. She did a really oddball uh, version of Callista Flockhart in her very first episode. That was season twenty five, episode three. So she was officially joined the cast like like three episodes into that first season. So right away, I think we saw that she was a bit of an oddball, Rachel Dratch, and <laughs> which is a good thing. That's like a when I t- when I call somebody an oddball, that's like a, that's like a really high compliment <laughs> coming oh, from me. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she she shined right away. She had a other good characters and sketches right away in season 25. Um, but you know, you're my guest. Let's, I want to give the floor to you. Like what characters or, or sketch would you like to lead off with in this discussion? Will? Yeah. So there, I mean, there's so many to choose from and I feel like, um, there's, there's gonna be a couple of deep cuts. I think we'll get to eventually. And I, and I want to start with this one just because, um, I think that it's probably one of the ones we're talking about a potential Hall of Fame resume. It's probably one of the ones that let's say the general population is most familiar with, and that's mm-hmm. Debbie Downer. Right. So Debbie Downer, um, obviously for those not for those not familiar, is a character where uh, Rachel would play essentially a Debbie Downer in real life, someone who is always bringing up bad news in group settings and always bringing and finding the negative. And the way they did the sketch, obviously a lot of fun sound effects and womp womps and sad trombone and you know animal noises, whatever there was they were talking about, and a lot of close-ups on Rachel. And they did a sketch uh, quite a few times over the course of the, the show. I think, obviously, many are familiar with the most famous one of them breaking at Disney World with Lindsay Lohan. I personally enjoy it. That's, that is a favorite of mine. I, I, you know, I usually don't like when people don't break as much, but it's, a, it's obviously a classic for a reason. That's an example to me that breaking works. Right. Breaking, like, <laughs> yeah. elevated a sketch in that case yes. for me. Yes. And same thing with, um, you know, there's a lot similar thing with birthday party with Ben Affleck. There's a Thanksgiving dinner with Luke Wilson. There's a lot of iterations of the sketch. And whether you look into Disney World example or not, we're talking about from a cast member and performance standpoint, understanding kind of what Rachel brought to the table. It is uh, a fun premise, right? Someone that's, you know, we all know a Debbie Downer of sorts uh, mm-hmm. in our lives, but the use of her having to try to be the straight person in the sketch and, you know, or not necessarily straight person, but trying to like say, deliver these lines and these very sad news about feline AIDS being the number one killer of domestic cats or, you know, talking about how bird flu is worse than SARS and these close-ups of her with a ridiculous sound effect and making a face to camera and then going back into uh, the, nor- the the normal life of the, the world of the sketch. You know, those kinds of things are, the one's obviously very fun to watch, but just as a cast member, having someone who's able to do those kinds of things and be really silly and and play into um, the ridiculousness of the sketch, trying to keep it together, I think it's just a really good example of what Rachel Dratch brings to the table. So if you're you know if you're looking at the the highlight reel of like all right, give me some Rachel Dratch sketches, that's why I say Debbie, Debbie Downer is obviously one I think most people go to or have shared with their friends, you know, to say hey, this is kind of a, a what Rachel who Rachel Dratch is, what she brings to the table. Yeah, her face was so expressive. I think that's a lot of what made the sketch and probably what contributed to them breaking in that first Debbie Downer sketch in the first place was just Rachel's expressive face. And especially when you do like a tight zoom 
uh, onto <laughs> yes. her expressive face, and she she knows what face she's making. Everybody, the whole rest of the cast see it. So that is the, that was part of the charm. And I, I think if somebody else would have played Debbie Downer, let's say Amy Poehler was in that role, I think it would have been solid. But I don't think they you would have had the necessarily the same exact reaction as like Rachel Dratch because she was she she can contort her face and she's very expressive. And that that was one of her big qualities as a cast member. A hundred percent. And I think to your point too, with that, with that um, character, I think it would have been really easy for someone to maybe ham it up more in the negativity and be, you know, but I think the fact that Rachel tried to play it so, so straight. And so like really trying to just like, you know, bring that energy down in the room when she's doing it with other people who notoriously don't break a lot. And they're like, they can't hold it together and they're trying to keep it going. And she's still committed because as you know, is they know she has another close-up coming. She has another line coming. She has, you know, increasingly more dark and dark news to deliver. And she's still kind of just in the mix trying to keep the sketch going. Yeah. And so, yeah, her expressions, the line delivery, the way she played it, like I said, just, just, it's just absolutely perfect. And like a great use of her talents. And, you know, it is a formulaic recurring character. And, you know, that's a lot of ways, a lot of our, you know, Hall of Fame candidates have a recurring character, recurring impression. And I say uh, for her with this one, Definitely one that's gotten the most circulation, I think, for for non SNL fans that have seen this one and seen uh, the iterations of Debbie Downer. Yeah, to your point about like them waiting because the because the cat her castmates know what she's about to say. That the most famous part to me, my favorite part of the original Debbie Downer was when she kind of pauses because they all know that she's going to say that line. By the way. I can't have children. And that that line, I could I could watch the Debbie Downer sketch hundred times, and that line cracks me up. Like I laugh out loud. Big time. Every time she says it gets, that, it gets me every time. I'm with yeah. you, just because it, like you said, it's 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 just this increasingly darker news. It's such a dark <laughs> thing to say, right? Like it's not funny that somebody can't have children. You wouldn't right. think, but just in that context, that was the funniest thing imaginable. Yes, yes, and like I said, she 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 delivers it. I mean, she she's they're breaking obviously, but having so much fun with it, being able to do it in a fun way, and like you know, like I said, that's one that the whole cast was enjoying the sketch and. With Rachel, too, like a lot of times we'll talk about it. She's such a good scene partner with people. And so seeing her centered in a sketch and still being able to do a really good job with it and making it fun and making it funny, I'm um, just saying it speaks to her, her talents and things she was able to bring to the show. Yeah, I'm wondering about Debbie Downer specifically, but just in a general sense. So on one hand, for me, I wish they would have kept this to maybe one installment or maybe tried it again. They did it seven times. And then on the other hand, I don't blame them for trying it more and more because the first one caught on so well. Like, where do you stand on that? Like the the balance between not running something into the ground, trying to recapture that magic. I think we saw that fairly recently with Lisa from Temecula. I love that first sketch, but then I don't think they quite could capture the same magic. So where do you stand on just like that general idea? Yeah, so I'm with you in that. You know, I was going to say that the Lisa from the Lisa from Temecula sketch was, I think, a perfect, you know, recent example of them using that. And I think with a lot of 
uh, sketches. I'm kind of of the opinion that if the reason it's going viral is a lot of the is mainly because of the breaking, even if the premise is really funny and the delivery is really funny, I'm usually a fan of like one and done because I do think that sometimes the pressure is on the cast to break again in yeah. subsequent, you know, uh, iterations of it because that's kind of what made it the first time. And I think it honestly makes it more special. Like if, if we saw Lisa and Temecula one time and didn't see it again, I think that it, 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 it makes that sketch even more special because it was like, that was delivered so well in that live format that one time that like people couldn't bring it together and then you don't see it again with Debbie Downer. I think that, it did work as a format to repeat because that is kind of a universal trope of the Debbie Downer, right? Um, but I do agree that like two to three times maybe, but I think seven is probably probably got to be too much. And that's really no fault of, of Rachel's because of, you know, she obviously was a capable performer, did really great. But I think that I'm personally on the side of if the breaking is the main reason why it's getting traction, I'm more a fan of us just do it one time. That was fun for what it was. And then we just let it go. Yeah, exactly. That the, those Jeffries sketches with Jimmy Fallon and Will Ferrell in the early two thousands. Another example for me is like that. They they those kind of worked because they couldn't keep it together. Can you imagine that Jimmy Fallon could, couldn't keep it together during a Wait, sketch? What? Breaking I news. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him for the Debbie Downer when actually Fred Armisen did a really good job of not mm-hmm. breaking. He's the only one because he had Horatio Sands wiping his tears with the waffle. <laughs> Lindsay <laughs> yes. Lohan couldn't even remember when she had to say her line. Like Fred had to kind of look at her and be like, okay, it's your line mm-hmm. to like Lindsay. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny watching all the different performers and Amy Poehler was in that, just how they all reacted to that. Uh, and Debbie Downer in general, like I don't mind it as a premise at all. As you, as you said, it's universal. Rachel's a capable performer. I think it could have worked as a premise if the breaking in the first installment didn't overshadow the premise necessarily. So that's what Debbie Downer became. It became a sketch where they broke instead of like a sketch where the premise is the star. So maybe that was like, it was just like the fans, the fans decided (laughs) here's what your sketch is about now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was in, she debuted Debbie Downer. Uh, season 29, um, a little toward the end, she she uh, was a cast member until season 31. So her last three seasons, we saw Debbie Downer. I wanted to go back to her first season, actually her third episode, where she and Jimmy Fallon debuted their Boston teens. Oh my God, Sully, I scoped it out. Apparently your $35 gets you chips, pretzels, and English muffin pizzas. Four-star cuisine? I beg to differ. Luckily, Denise and I bring a party with us wherever we go. Oh, yeah. These are my own creation. Zazu's famous shots in a blanket. (laughs) Simply soak an everyday hot dog bun in vodka and enjoy. To pass us by, you appear to be simply eating a bag of hot dog buns. Yeah. This near-perfect food coats your stomach as it inebriates. My girl is a genius. She played Denise or Zazu, like Zazu, Zazu. So, uh, yeah, those Boston teens, another Rachel one that people remember fondly, right? Well, yes, no, 100%. And that's it's funny. I I, that was next to my list. It's the Boston teens. I just wanted, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about (laughs) Debbie Downer to talk that we know who you know, we know about it, but yeah, Boston's (laughs) is one of my favorites. Um, same thing, like a, a very, um, obviously very formulaic sketch. But like the energy that her and Jimmy bring to it in terms of having, you know, Tommy recording, um, them being able to um, kind of talk as as 
Boston teens and really lean into a lot of the, you know, the Boston accent and, you know, just make it very Boston specific, um, always ending with some kind of sexual innuendo and, you know, Fallon saying, Hey, Tommy, tell me you got that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were super, you know, they're, they're obviously like they've done, they did a lot of iterations of the sketch, but all, like probably one, probably one of them, my favorite, uh, we'll get to my favorite, but this one, my favorite, uh, Dratch character, especially with Jimmy, like they play so well off of each other as the Boston teens, um, there's a lot of different iterations. One that my favorites is one, obviously not with uh, Ben Affleck. Um, there's one that they did with a birthday dinner with Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. but the, um, the, the, them leaning into, like I said, a lot of the, uh, like I said, I guess just Boston stereotypes and being kind of troublemaking kids and that are just always trying to get in trouble and, and, and you know, making out constantly in you are, I don't know how many times I probably yelled yeah. at someone you are over you the course are. of my life <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. and making out. So, um, it just, that there's so many good, it's so quotable. Poor um, Nomar Garcia Pera, by the way, like Nomar, like that's what, that's kind of almost what he's known for in a way. <laughs> right. People just yelling Nomar at yeah. him, I'm sure everywhere he goes. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, it's, there's so many, um, good quotes in that and so many good, like, even that's the one we talked about, Having a great idea, great characters that don't necessarily rely on the breaking, like that one brought back and you knew what was going to happen. You knew what was coming, but the amount of joy and fun that Rachel and Jimmy had with that sketch was just made it. And I was always, I mean, they've come back and done it when Jimmy's come back to host and stuff. And and whenever Rachel pops up as that, like it's always fun to see. That is one of my favorites for sure. But I wanted to get your thoughts yeah. too on, I mean, the first appearance and then also with other, with their other Boston teen, um, sketches yeah the, for some reason the one i always remembered uh probably because of my age when i watched it was the britney spears one <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah so that that's that's one that always uh that i always thought was funny it's, that kind of stood out to me i liked when they were because a lot of times they were at like a party like somebody's house or something but when they were actually doing something in public in front of other people so with that one they were at this amish uh cosplay kind of place and like britney spears was Asked Jimmy Fallon to come up and like show him how to churn butter, and it got flirty. And then, and then uh, Rachel as Zazu got jealous a little bit. And then, mm-hmm. it whole you as you mentioned the beats, like it had the, all those classic beats of them calling each other names, and then of course making out and 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 the innuendo at the end and all of that. So uh, I always I always liked that Britney Spears one. Uh, they did they did it twelve times. They did this, uh, the Boston teens. So uh, there, there was a lot of meat on that bone. And I don't think like for, for them to have, having done it 12 times, it didn't get all that stale to me. Honestly, it was always very fun to watch. And like you said, Jimmy and Rachel had good chemistry together. What I like about that, that too, when you talk about sketches of characters and how timely they are and how well they, they, they go over. I watched, obviously I watched some when Rachel in the cast did one with a, it was like, a, they're at a, um, they're going out to a birthday dinner with uh, Justin Timberlake's playing uh, Jimmy Fallon's little brother, and he keeps setting things on fire at uh, at the dinner. And they do another one where I think it was Jimmy came back to host, and um, they are like now kind of adults essentially, and Kate McKinnon is their daughter, and they're touring Harvard, yeah. and you know they're and they're and they're having these you know they, they kind of updated like instead of a recorder they're you know Tommy is recording on a on a camera phone you know on Countess camera phone and uh you know their daughter's really smart going to Harvard and they're still kind of in that that same kind of mindset they were as teens but they're like parents now yeah. and why is you know, Tommy when they, there with them on the tour who is <laughs> yeah. Tommy why is yeah, he why is Uncle Tommy here <laughs> yeah uh, and so it's like it to me that speaks to like 
it speaks to the fact that she had these characters and had these um, moments on the show that still hit and resonate with later generations and later fans of the show. Like you can start a show with a cold open with the Boston teens and the fans of the show are like, Oh my gosh, yes, we're going to get a chance to see Rachel and Jimmy be the Boston teens. And to your point, Thomas, it never felt like it got beaten to the ground. Like they could show up, they could show up in, in you know, they could show up on the next episode of SNL whenever that airs. Right. Like, and yep. people would say, be excited to see those characters. So um, it's, it's a really, it's a tough balance. I'm sure to have recurring characters that people really enjoy that does, that doesn't get run into the ground and people are excited to see return. So you know, that kind of speaks again to Rachel's ability to be a really likable cast member, have likable characters, regardless of the iteration, whether they're super, super sad at a dinner table or, a, you know, a crazy Boston teen. So, yeah, another uh, another feather in Rachel's cap there with uh, the Boston teens and Debbie Downer two two really memorable characters and sketches uh, from that era. Will, um, where do you want to go from here with Rachel Dratch? Yeah, so I think next I'd like to go to the Professors Club and the Lovas, better known <laughs> yeah. as the Lovas. I think first appearance was during, uh, and for those not familiar with the sketch, two professors that are very big on PDA and talking about their lovemaking um, in front of people to make them uncomfortable. Their first appearance was um, at the Katie Holmes hosted episode with, uh, and it's Rachel as Virginia Clarvin and uh, Will Farrell as her husband, Professor Clarvin, um, and they are constantly talking to um they're at the time they're talking to jimmy fallon and and katie holmes about their relationship and the importance their their love making traditions and as the characters go they're essentially you know <laughs> just talking about that and um whatever, meats, other love whatever smoked <laughs> meats, <laughs> yeah, smoked meats me- that they like smoked meats <laughs> <laughs> yes and so they uh they bring these characters back uh i want to say maybe five times you can correct we can corrected uh, i think i have seven times oh seven there times. on my on my list yeah gotcha so seven times and um each time same kind of same kind of thing where there's a lot of pda a lot of groping a lot of kissing i think one of my favorite um versions of that one, i'm sure many people have seen is the one with uh drew barrymore yes. where they are at the welshley arms hotel that they talk about um it's with uh rachel dratchel farrell jimmy, jimmy fallon is there and then drew barrymore shows up Oh, what is what? Well, that? at this point during the soak, my lover and I usually crave spiced meat. Uh, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, we always. <laughs> we always order them up special from the Welsh people's <laughs> kitchen and keep them here in this igloo cooler. The Welsh Arms is renowned. They are talking about. Jimmy Fallon, who's there alone, and who's breaking you know, a lot again. Yeah, breaking a lot, <laughs> a lot. I, I know. Say, <laughs> got got the tallies going for Jimmy, but like, there's a lot of, um, you know, the the way that they say everything, their pronunciations. It's called Lovas, and there's Barbara Hernandez, and you know, they're feeding each other smoked meats and lamb shanks uh, in in the in in this hot tub, and they're calling it the hot tub, and like all these different little iterations they have, and the way they talk about things. The chemistry between obviously Drash and Farrell is great. They have a really fun time, like interacting with each other, but then also making Jimmy uncomfortable. I think you can tell that like yeah. Farrell's definitely like rubbing Fallon on the leg, and oh, like yeah, there's a lot of deep eye contact. That's, that's what I heard. He's kind of playing footsie with Fallon in that hot tub, trying to get him to break. It's yes, and and 
it's it, the way that they like they do in that in, in that sketch. Like obviously the the the, the professors Clarvin are centered and they are the main drivers of the comedy and the ridiculousness and everyone there is a, is a, is reacting around them. But a, a, similar to the Boston teens, like Rachel brings that same kind of fun scene partner energy in a totally different way. She's not a you know a troublemaking teen from Boston. She is a college professor who just likes to talk a little bit too much about her you know public displays of affection and lovemaking and it's still a really fun sketch and a fun character and while there's some crossover there like with the you know with the characters it's totally different it's a totally different energy in a totally different way that she that she brings it to life and so um that's as i said another one that's really fun for me and there's a lot of breaking and stuff but i think it just goes to how much fun everyone's having listening to them uh you know going back and forth and and um, making everyone uncomfortable yeah that drew barrymore one's the probably my favorite one too the one that i remember most and rachel and will ferrell in these lover sketches they inhabit a very specific type of person who I've encountered quite a bit. I don't know if you have, Will. I grew up uh, about an hour from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and there's so many people like this around Santa Fe, like the the hippie, yuppie, I guess mm-hmm. yippie kind of types mm-hmm. of people. You could tell like they're sure. uh, they they have money, but they're still kind of earthy. In mm-hmm. a way, yeah. uh, they're they're probably like very liberal-minded people, maybe misguided sure. at some at times. In some sure. ways, they're probably donate to a lot of causes. They're oftentimes college professors and artists yeah. and stuff. So I think Rachel and Will Ferrell inhabited the specific type of person mm-hmm. really, really well. In my mind, these characters live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Because <laughs> that's the exact, say. yes, I've, I have countered or Taos or somewhere in the mountains or some trendy yes. mountain uh, village spot. Uh, yes. But I- yes. <laughs> No, no, I was just like, I definitely know the the archetype type of person that you're that you're referring to, and I, I think I, in my time um, uh, in school in, in um, California, I think I ran into yeah. some professors like that as well. Where uh, you know, and generally speaking, like whether it's professors or you know the very like you know seemingly high minded people, just that feeling people have had where you're with a couple that wants to let you know how much they enjoy each other's company when you're not there. (laughs) I think that general feeling of just being uncomfortable and kind of being kind of stuck in a spot where you're like, I don't really want to, I can't, I don't really want to engage this conversation necessarily. We're all just kind of watching the two of you be very affectionate with each other and then trying to make it okay for everyone to be that same way. Uh, it, It was, it's a very, um, I think relatable to your point, mm-hmm. relatable uh, level of uncomfortable uh, that everyone has been in at some point in time. So the way they do that and make it so hilarious that everyone, you know, whether it's you know Katie Holmes or Drew Barrymore, Jimmy Fallon, like un, you know, unable to keep it together, I think makes uh, makes the sketch and, and is just another another fun feather in the cap for Rachel as well. Yeah, and good a good teammate with Will. She could she could partake in Will Ferrell's off the wall goofiness easily. She's a good companion with Will Ferrell mm-hmm. in that type of humor. Uh, I think yes. she does such a good job. Uh, another recurring character I want to talk about, Will, uh, is another season 29 one. We, cause I want to talk about this cause we had alluded to it, uh, earlier, uh, in the, in the podcast. Uh, she played an old Hollywood producer named Abe Scheinwald. <laughs> that's an example probably the example for me about how good she was at playing a wacky older person pops i thought shinewell's studio was you know moving towards more award-winning fare and a gay you know away from um you know 
bumping tatas. Since when do you decide what interests us? This one wanted me to make a movie about a kid at school who had magical powers. I said I liked it better the first time when it was called Teen Wolf. It was Harry Potter. We passed on Harry Potter. <laughs> now, who do you see in the role of potty ho number two? Well, there's only two choices. Abe Scheinwald. One of my favorite Rachel characters, it is, I don't know if it's one that viewers have seen, obviously it's told us like the first time to see, I think, I started as a weekend update feature, uh, I want to say, yes, um, and so. mm-hmm. uh, with Seth, and then was later turned into a sketch, and essentially the idea is that it's this old uh, old man who's a movie producer, and he, he makes he makes motion, motion pictures, <laughs> and he's like, and he... Seth is his grandson who is trying to move their movie studio into like a much more intellectual, you know, way and uh, direction. Whereas he is very much into, uh, you know, very sexual themed or sexual in a window themed yeah. movies with like uh, Russ Meyer know. films. I don't know if you're familiar with old like 60s Russ Meyer films, but no, no, but yeah. So I think that's what they were going for. Russ Meyer mm-hmm. made like these. B movies, we'll call them, that had a lot of sexual stuff. A lot of, you know, they yeah. weren't, it was almost like if they, at the time, it would have been like straight to video. Type of thing. <laughs> right, right, so, right. yeah, right, so right. it's kind of like that. Yeah. And he, you know, a lot of the titles, I mean, NIT, Nipple Institute of Technology, yeah. you know, a lot, those are kind of the, the vein of titles that we're talking about. And like, um, it's one of my favorite characters. Once again, there's a lot of like recurring themes and sketches, but the way that one, let's focus on Rachel, the way that she plays this old man who is always eating potato salad <laughs> out of a container. <laughs> it's a great choice smacking, for a character. Right. And like really loud and really just kind of, and is, is the energy she plays off of Seth as well, where Seth is very like the straight person and is like clearly annoyed with his, you know, grandfather who is like very, you know, has an outdated way of thinking and Rachel's just kind of in this, like, I'm the expert, like we make pictures and, you know, we need to do all these things to like drive money and, and do all these things. And she's just so over the top and so silly, but it's so hilarious seeing her inhabit this and inhabit this character. And um, one of the ongoing things, and this is just a little peek into like my life. There's a lot of things that she says where they're constantly talking about a movie um, and they'll say, you know, I, had a movie, you know, there was a movie that we, you know, wanted to do and it was about, let's make one up. Like, oh, a guy who ran across the country, but we passed on it. And Seth is like, it was Forrest Gump. You know, we passed <laughs> yeah. on Forrest Gump, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's that constant, like, you know, same thing. And I, and I, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, these movies, oh, I have a movie about this. I liked it better the first time when it was this, you know? And I will say when I go to movie theaters, I am sure my fiance is tired of hearing it. Every movie preview, I find myself saying I liked it better the first time when it was and saying a movie title. So like for me, it's such a quotable sketch and I love, you know, repeating a lot of the the things that Rachel says in it. Um, she plays that old man, like uh, Abe Scheinwald so well. Uh, I think like your point, the first one I think was with maybe was with Alec Baldwin where it's like the three of them, the father, grandfather and Seth. Um, and they're just, like you said, you can tell that they're trying to keep it together with just the energy that Rachel's bringing to it as Abe Scheinwald. Yeah, this is an example too of of Rachel. I try not to do this. Like, I guess I don't know. I can sometimes I compare cast members to other cast members, but Rachel inhabits a lot of the things that I love about certain cast members, uh, past and present. So with this one, it's like 
a lot of what I love about Martin Short, I think Rachel Dratch inhabits in a character like this. Yes, there is some Jiminy, uh, Jimmy Glick energy. Kind of Jiminy uh, Glick. You know, Jimmy Martin Glick. Yeah, Short yeah. had like another, like a Hollywood producer kind of character uh, yes. too. But just in how like she, I don't know, just how she presented herself and her mannerisms and her commitment. her And that's a big yes. thing. Like Rachel... We haven't said it this episode, but I think just her, her commitment is adm- admirable in a sketch, mm-hmm. honestly. And that's mm-hmm. something that's like even cast members come through here and there over the years. And I can tell like this person's like not fully in the sketch. I wish they would commit more. Never had that problem with Rachel. Oh, 100%. And I think one of the things we were talking about before, too, as she's committing, when she's committing in sketches, no matter what she's playing. And we, we talked about this a little bit earlier in her ability to play men. You know, there's a lot of things that she does and has fun with um, as she's committing to playing an old man as a woman and this basically like a sexist old man, mm-hmm. right? And the line delivery she has and things she says. And I mean, even when she's uh, talking about, I think at one point they said, I think in every sketch where, you know, she's talking about having, you know, women in, in bikinis and like to make the movie make more money and, you know, pull out a dollar out of her pocket and is like double D's double d's and like pulling you know a dollar and it's like it's such a ridiculous thing to say and trying to make seth say it as well but like she has this commitment like i'm going to be fully like inhabit this type of person who would one say this who would believe this um be over the top with it and bring that kind of energy like it's one of my that character is just one of my favorites of rachel and i don't know if it's something that the average fan obviously has, has heard of or would see or like people would recognize it, but you just popped up obviously like at another sketch. But um, to your point, a really great, a really uh, great example of her ability to commit to a character, play other people, um, and then also be able to just have great line delivery and be centered in a sketch in a way that, um, you know, she was always willing to be a partner, but to be a, to be front and center of the energy, I think was, was great. Yeah, exactly. So she uh, she played Abe Shinewald four times. We urge everybody to go seek those out and watch a, uh, Rachel Dratch shine as a kooky old man. <laughs> she, yes, please. She did that please. so well. Uh, any other gems, characters, sketches, Will, that pop to mind with Rachel Dratch? You know, those are like the – from a character standpoint, those were some of the main characters that I kind of want to talk about um, for for Rachel. But if you had any others, I, I was going to talk about a couple of sketches. But like if you have any other – I mean there's yeah, what obviously sketch? a few so more. Give us, but, yeah, give us a sketch that stands out if you got one. Okay, so there uh, – one of them I think that it's kind of on the same, the same lines as we were talking about her playing a guy. But there's a sketch called um, – it's basically – it's a Harry Potter-themed sketch, and it's about uh, – mm. it's with L- Lindsay Lohan on the ske- in the sketch. And she is um, playing Hermione and coming back from a summer vacation. And Lindsay Lohan's ske- playing Hermione. Lindsay Lohan's – yeah, sorry. Lindsay Lohan's playing Herm- Hermione, and Rachel is playing Harry Potter. And they're coming back from summer break, and Hermione, as Lindsay Lohan says, developed, we'll say, over the summer. <laughs> yes. And all of the – guys that are in the sketch are very much distracted by um by hermione i got here hours ago i've been in the library researching cloaking spells (laughs) 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 (sighs) hermione um (laughs) hello hermione uh, welcome back how was your summer boring nothing happened really 
that happen. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a lot of, to your point before in that sketch, um, as they do a lot of visual gags and they have a lot of people coming in out of the sketch, there's, Rachel's very expressive and like a lot of it's like her facial expressions as she's playing Harry Potter and being very much like trying to not bring attention to, um, you know, uh, Hermione and and her kind of like low cut shirt um, and trying to kind of be in the mix. And it's just like one of those funny ones. Once again, we talk about Rachel playing all these different, you know, different types of characters. She played Harry Potter another time during a weekend update sketch or feature as well, which is also great. Um, But like her ability to kind of fully be in those characters. And um, it's a very silly sketch, obviously just with the idea of that happening in Harry Potter, the Harry Potter universe. Right. But um, she just does a really good job of, Facial expressions, trying to, you know, be kind of straight person in the sketch, but also not bring too much attention to it, which I feel like is, a, is another good example of just how silly she was as a, as a cast member. That's just one. Yeah. Yeah. She knows how to deliver. Uh, or pl- she knows the beats to play any given character. Uh, and with the, yeah, with this Harry Potter, it was almost like that. Oh, I'm noticing this, but I can't say it. And I, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to contain my, my obvious enjoyment of these new developments with, with Hermione and all this. So, so right, like, right. yeah, yeah. So Rachel Dratch kn- knew how to like, she knew the beats of, of, of how to play that scene uh, perfectly. That's a really nice pull. Yeah. I got one. I'll throw one out there. Then I want, mm-hmm. I want to hear from you too. Like um, this is the one It's the uh, Rachel. It's, it's, or it's the fun friends club. Yes. And this is Similar, one where, yeah. <laughs> yeah so like, <laughs> Kind of around the opposite of that, yeah. where Rachel is basically playing, you know, a 12-year-old girl who is a part of, like, a, a kid show, um, but has is much more developed than the other kids that are on the show, to the point that it's distracting for the the main actor, the the the, 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 the guy playing the dinosaur. I think it's Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. The, yeah, Ray Liotta is playing the... The, uh, the the kid's dinosaur character who's very upset with this process and they're having her do a lot of things that you know are totally fine for a 12 year old to do but because she is more developed is, is distracting and they really don't aren't comfortable with her doing some of these things and it's Rachel does such a good job in the sketch at playing this very innocent kid who's doesn't understand like what mm-hmm. she doesn't get the joke and so many times like she's in she's centered on the joke she is the main delivery vehicle for the joke but in this one she is does such a great job of, of being like, I don't understand what's going on. And the audience is losing it. Uh, Ray Liotta is getting visibly more angry. Like I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't want this kid on the show anymore. And Jimmy Fallon's being the producer kind of like trying to talk to him. Like I, I got, I'll, I'll try to talk it through. I'll try to figure it out, trying to find workarounds and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and to she his just does credit, such a good by job. the way, I don't think Jimmy Fallon breaks in this sketch. So I want to call that out where it's due. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Broken clock, right? Uh, but I would say that he does a great job as the you know director coming in front of the camera and kind of trying to direct the energy and and, and also calming down Ray Liotta, who's doing a good job at playing. He plays it perfectly in terms of like, I'm angry with this. I don't want this kid on the show. Like, I, I it's not good. Like, we can't have this you know twelve year old jumping around and doing all these things. Um, and Jimmy does a great job of like I said, keeping the energy on on Rachel and kind of making it believable that she doesn't know what's going on. And um, it's just a really fun way for uh, another example of her talents in terms of uh, being able to play, you know, like a, a kid, like just brings yeah. a, a kid energy to it, which I think in a really funny way and a really innocent way that still is yeah. really funny in the way that they do it from a visual standpoint. Yeah. This one, the fun friend club from season 28, uh, that that's a nice pool as well. I think Rachel, that particular role, that type of role 
is almost thankless in comedic circles, but it's vital. Like the character who doesn't know that they're part of a humorous situation, but they still have to play it like to where that the, the, the humor is still conveyed. It's something yes. that Chris Parnell would do really well that, that we talked about in last season. And I think Rachel does it really well here. She's oblivious. She's just innocent. And she, and she has to play it, play it that way. Cause it serves the comedy and Rachel's, has a good enough comedic mind to know to play it that way because that's what's going to serve the comedy at any point. She doesn't always have to be the wacky center of attention type. Like I can just play innocent and oblivious, and that's what's best for this uh, this joke and this sketch. Yes, she plays it perfectly, and um, I think it's a it's a, it's a fun way to show her range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I have a couple of uh, um, one-off sketches please, with please. Rachel that that really stand out to me. I don't know if you remember if you've watched uh, it's uh, with Jennifer Aniston. It's called Christmas Urchins. It, it seems we've been discovered. Perhaps they'll throw us a crust of bread. A crust of bread might cure me rickets. Right. <laughs> Hello. Um, if you please, well, my brother and I were terribly hungry. Yeah, we escaped from me, Mr. Grimswoggle, at the fowling home, and we've come to New Jersey to seek our fortune. <laughs> Could you find it in your hearts to let us in? Could what you, mean, please? What do you mean, Dad? So it's from season 25, so it was Rachel Dratch's fourth episode. It was the Christmas episode, Jennifer Aniston hosted. By the way, Jennifer Aniston was a really good, that was a really good episode. She's a really good host back in the day. But basically, the premise is that Rachel and Jennifer Aniston play these Christmas urchins, like these 19th century British, 19th century British urchins who this family rents out (laughs) just to have it on their lawn as like a Christmas decoration or whatever. And so they're acting like urchins, like, like, oh, look at, look at them. They're like peeking through the window, Jennifer Aniston and Rachel Dratch and watching the family have a good time and they're cold and hungry. And (laughs) then the family decides to let them in. And so Rachel and Jennifer, as these urchins sing songs that are so, that are graphic, they talk about the diseases that they have and all this stuff. Like it, it, it turns into something. It like evolves. Like there's such good escalation in this one. Jennifer Aniston's great in this and Rachel, her fourth episode and she like pops in this sketch. It's almost like an underrated classic in that era um, back in, what was this? 99, 2000, like Mm -hmm. in in that. So that like Christmas urchins from season 25, that's to me, that's like a one that kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit, but I went and rewatched and I'm like, this is fantastic. It sounds amazing. I'm gonna have to check that one out. because I mean, Especially like you said to your point, four four episodes in, like that is you know those are kinds of like you're looking for someone that's new. Like, what do you bring in and to pop like that? That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one. And then there's another one from season 28. It's called Game Night. What I said, it's a guy. What are you? Five uh, more seconds. Five seconds. Uh, uh, Eli Whitney. Time. What? What the hell? Sorry, I just I'll clean it up. I just um I just get really into games. I'll, I'll clean that up. I'll clean that up. Really into games. Sorry. Uh, you know what, you guys? Um, why don't we just watch a movie? I got Spider-Man on DVD. Oh, I love to do that. I love that movie. Let's let's watch no, a movie. Let's no, we agreed to play games tonight. So that's what we're gonna do. We're playing games. Come on, let's go. Let's go. It's with uh, with Eric McCormick. <laughs> 
and yes. you're like, yes, that's yeah. So I think this is fondly remembered amongst fans. So basically, it's a chance for Rachel to 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 get wild and absolutely unhinged. Do you remember this one, Will? Yes, I do. Um, this is one that I had on on my list for sure. And I think for those that, that are that have that may not may not have seen it, you know, the premise is essentially playing like a kind of like a if you ever play like a, so people call it different things like a celebrity guessing game like Family Fishable, where you kind of write names and put it in a hat and trying to guess with your partner. And it's two, it's three couples playing this this round, and you can see as it goes around the first time like one couple is very supportive and having a good time. One couple is kind of like you know, also really supportive of each other, having fun. And then Rachel is very competitive and Eric McCormick is not good at this game and is that person who doesn't know celebrities, doesn't want to do it. And the escalation in this one is just so funny because as it goes on, you can see Rachel getting more and more competitive and bringing a different type of energy than she typically would, where she's playing things way more angry and like over the top than than she would. And the way that... uh, (laughs) The, the sketch kind of ends with her basically um, losing it because Eric McCormick doesn't know what the celebrity is. And someone wrote, I guess, Felix Mendelssohn. What? Who the balls put Felix Mendelssohn? He's not a celebrity. Come on, Mendelssohn. What the hell? This game is called smashes things and like runs through the wall and is just like so mad and it's such it is such a hilarious sketch and it's so funny seeing Rachel take it to that level where she really is centered in the sketch she's not just one of the guests that's kind of like wow like this is getting out of hand like she's the one driving that level of energy and I think how relatable it is for those who like to play games or have done game nights like you kind of have all those types of people there someone who there's always someone who might be way more yeah. competitive than everyone else exactly. and wants to win exactly. and the way that she takes that to, to 11 you know out of 10 is is incredible and i i'm, I'm so glad you brought that one up because i want to talk about how much fun it looks like she has in that sketch and, that and so it's fun, fun to see her center in it yeah that was so fun and she all she she's very good about playing oddball characters and, and weird but you rarely see you rarely saw her play like unhinged to that extent <laughs> so you put it perfectly she dialed it up to 11 and that's so much fun that was season 28 episode 4 that was the the eric mccormick episode eric mccormick from will and grace uh so so go check that out so i think we have done a good job of like pointing out the highlights of, of yeah. her uh time at snl will i mean that was that yeah. she, she's done she did so much on the show it's fun to revisit yeah, I would agree. I think that she, it, this is one of those where, you know, we talked about it, her being in the the, the Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Network's top 50 cast members, obviously coming in like a 30, right? And um, the great job that she did there. And it's fun to see her recognized for, by fans, like the contributions that she had to the show. Because I think that she is obviously one of the best cast members they've ever had. And Rewatching a lot of these sketches, it was so much fun and such a good, you know, I encourage anyone who's obviously listening to this, you should be, you know, I'm hoping you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, Rachel Dretch is a fun rewatch to go back. There's so much of her work that um, she's a part and just even if she's just in sketches where she's bringing something to it, whether it's like the Colonel Angus sketch or she's, you know, James Madison, the 2000 election, like she's doing all these random things that she's a part of great moments in the show's history and seeing the ones where she's centered was a really fun treat. 
Yeah, definitely. So 2006 was her last year as a cast member on SNL. After SNL, she actually was almost a co-star of 30 Rock. So she was going to play, originally she was going to play the Jenna character that ultimately went to Jane Krakowski, but that was going to be Rachel playing that. But I believe Rachel and Tina had a, had a history together and, you know, um, and, and that was like the impetus for Rachel um, possibly doing the Jenna character, but she didn't end up doing that, but that's okay. And Rachel is not mad about it. She, she said that like that, that's, was the best thing for the show and she's totally happy mm-hmm. with how it played out but she did pop up quite a bit on 30 rock which i always thought was fun yes agreed and it's it, it's a really to your point with that with that fact that's such a fun what if yeah uh wondering what she would have brought to that character jane krakowski obviously killed it as, as jen there's a pilot on with rachel as, as as jenna different oh. last name but her name's jenna but i think there's some video out there of, find Ra- it. of yeah we got to find it but okay well the, to your point, the way that she ended up being still involved in the show and obviously Tina wanting to utilize her her skills, I love what I love that, you know, well, Tina Fey is another episode. That's another thing in her talents right as a writer. Yeah. But I loved how well she used Rachel's skills as a character actor to have her be on 30 Rock. And she is essentially a different character all the time. Exactly. She's popping up as a cleaning lady. She's a random blue hallucination. She is that Tracy uh, sees when he's not on his meds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. Like yeah. she is, Elizabeth Taylor, I think randomly. And Elizabeth Taylor, I think she's like, she, she, she pops up. Like, I think she has like six or seven different iterations yeah. of like character shows. And it's so fun. Cause every time you see her, you're like, that's Rachel Dratch, yeah. but she is playing someone Cat totally Wrangler. different. Yeah, yes, and and that's kind of you know you're not you asked me earlier like um you know getting familiar with Rachel and like obviously knew her on the show and then I was a big Thirty Rock fan and seeing her being able to still be a part of my life as a TV viewer in Thirty Rock was really fun because you know she she got to still do what she's great at which is just come in do a great character be really weird. Um, have fun with it, make it your own. And then like, it's a one-off, like we're done. And then you come back and you do something else. And you're always, I'm around third rack. I'm, I was always excited because it's like, I know that's Rachel Dratch, but oh, what is she this time? Like you said, oh, she's mm-hmm. the cat wrangler who's dealing with the live animals for this episode or, you know, whatever it was. So I really um, liked her, her post SNL career has been fun too. The, the time she's chosen to pop up, um, I've always enjoyed it. It's always fun to see Rachel Dratch. Yeah, absolutely. If you go look at her Wikipedia and IMDb, she's one of those character actors who just popped up in a lot of things, made a quick impression. My wife and I just finished Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Rachel had such a memorable appearance. She was in one episode, but she played Kimmy Schmidt's college professor, and she also played her her own girlfriend. So her Kimmy Schmidt's college professor was a lesbian, and so Rachel Dratch played her, but Rachel Dratch also played her girlfriend or her wife in in the show. So it was it was the way they the way they filmed that and the dynamics there was was really really funny. Rachel's always so memorable. She also has a really good book. I like devour SNL books by if you're a former cast member, if if I haven't read your your biography, autobiography, it's on my list. I'm looking at my Leslie Jones book as I say that waiting to be read. But so Rachel has a book that she, that was published in 2012 called girl walks into a bar comedy calamities, dating disasters and a midlife uh, miracle. That's a really good read. Found out a lot about Rachel. She opens up quite a bit. It's a really uh, neat read about Rachel Dratch. I urge everybody to check that out. 
have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really fun. So, uh, yeah, Will, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. I wanted to know, like, just to put a little bow on this, like, how would you sum up Rachel Dratch's legacy on SNL for, for everybody at home? Yeah. I mean, you know, Thomas, once again, thanks for letting me join you today. This was absolutely so much fun to talk about Rachel Dratch and go to memory lane with her time on the show and kind of end where we started. You know, when you look at Rachel Dratch and the cast that she came into, you kind of don't know what you're going to get out of new cast members and what they're going to bring to the table. And I think when you look at Rachel's career overall, overall, as a cast member, she was someone who was incredibly likable, who brought a very, a very unique and uh, like said, likable energy to all the characters she played. She was an awesome scene partner with the people that some all-time greats on the show as well. We talk about Will Ferrell. You talk about Jimmy Fallon. Uh, she obviously did some great stuff in character work with the, the great writing of Tina Fey. Like she was someone that I, the cast obviously wanted to utilize, and has left us with characters. So we talked about Debbie Downer, Boston Teens, Abe Shinewald, um, some awesome moments and sketches that are going to be part of best of compilations for years and years to come long after whenever the last episode of SNL is, I think she'll be remembered for her time on there. And so when you're looking at someone who got the most out of their talent, who gave their all to the show, who was committed to being as funny as possible, if they were on a, in a scene for five seconds or for five minutes, Rachel Dratch is definitely one of the best. And like I said, I'm happy I had a chance to talk with you about her today. And I hope that the fans uh, get a chance to rewatch and, and make sure that they uh, give her her flowers when the ballots are due. So there's that. Thank you so much, Thomas and Will and Rachel, you know, for bringing the laughs all these years. I think that she should be celebrated. And that's what we do here in the SNL Hall of Fame is we celebrate some of our favorites. And Rachel, as uh, Thomas mentioned off the top, you know, is a top 30 cast member, according to the SNN countdown of top 50 cast members. Uh, I believe she's in the top 30. So she's in good company. And she should be. She is uh, hyper-talented. And, well, you just heard Thomas and Will wax philosophical about her for the better part of an hour. And uh, I, I, could, I concur. I, I, it, this is going to be an interesting one for me. I I don't know that she makes it on the first ballot, but I think by the time she gets to the second or third ballot, I think there's a path. I think there's a path for her. And uh it's a it's it's a path that uh is reasonable. Mind you, you look at Maya and who else? Molly Shannon, and they are both still in the quagmire. Let's go to the sketch right now. This is Abe Scheinwald on Weekend Update. With the year winding down, it's time to look back at the best movies of 2004. Here with the report is Hollywood producer Brad Scheinwald. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Well, I think it's safe to say that 2004 was an incredible year for American filmmaking. Huh? Hold it right there! tell you about pictures. Grandpa, I thought I told you to wait in the car. What? Freeze my balls off? I don't 
This is my grandfather and founder of Scheinwald Studios, Abe Scheinwald. I made over 51 pictures, including cheerleader zombies of Sorority Row, Japanese Bikini Squad, Kill Kill, The Chimp and the Pimp, one, two, three, and five, and NIT. NIT? Nipple Institute of Technology. The thing is, Pops, I'm trying to move Sean Wall Pictures in a more intelligent direction, a direction a lot of films took this year. Okay, an incredible film. Sideways, a story of two friends driving through wine country hey, and... You want to sit through a road movie about two guys drinking booze, rent the Abe Scheinwald classic buddy pick, Scooch and Mondo take Daytona Beach. <laughs> okay, what about the film Kinsey? Oh, I went to see that picture because I heard it was about a sex doctor who did experiments on people. What a letdown! If you want an erotic thriller, try the Shinewald hit, The Curious Dr. Hump. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite? China, where were the explosions? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Eternal, what are the hot you wear? <laughs> All right, okay, so you're saying that there's nothing worth seeing this year. Please, Amy. Don't let my grandfather change the way you feel about movies. Ah, don't listen to this one. Please, no, this no. one wanted me to make a movie about the misadventures of a blind guy. I said I liked it better the first time when it was called Mr. Magoo. It was Ray, the Ray Charles story. We passed on Ray. <laughs> Brad and Abe Scheinwald, everybody. <laughs> Ah, oh, they passed on Ray, and they made Nipple Institute of Technology. Oh, my. That is uh, some good, good stuff. And on that note, I want to remind you, uh, speaking of good stuff, to check out Will Norman, check out Thomas Senna, check out Matt Ardell. They are all wonderful podcasters, and uh, there's a lot going on here at Duvra. So check us out. There's something for everybody. That's pretty much what I've got for you this week. You can start carving out your ballots now. There's two names on it already. Adam Sandler, Rachel Dratch. Next week in the hall, we invite Ryan McNeil to join us where we'll talk about Pearl Jam and their legacy at uh, Studio 8H. So there's that. That's what I've got for you this week. So if you'd please, uh, as you're walking out, when you get to the Weekend Update exhibit, there's a light switch on the wall. Turn it off, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week.